G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. I met two guys while I was working in a restaurant and they were practicing witchcraft on a daily basis. And this is where I started learning more of the occult and practicing it more openly. And I met another guy that also showed me down this dark path. The Story. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, an international one for you from Shalinda in South Africa. Sadly, he grew up being beaten regularly by his alcoholic father and later became involved in dealing drugs and witchcraft. We'll hear his journey to freedom today on The Story. Shalinda is chatting with Shelley Scowen via Skype from South Africa. Shell, you sound very happy and excited now, but things haven't always been that way for you. You came out of a very dangerous lifestyle of drug dealing and witchcraft. Things started when you were just a little kid, though. Tell us about what it was like being an eight-year-old in South Africa. Uh, That is correct, yes. Um, I was uh, still in uh, preschool, and um, my father was um, working for the police, and um, he saw some things in the police that uh, he couldn't handle because he was called out uh, in the mornings or in the evenings or late at night to go to family murders and this uh, he had to go into the houses first and he couldn't handle these images that he saw so he started drinking uh, he didn't go to see people or anything and when he got drunk he would usually start um, beating me or, uh, and as my mom would come in to help us uh, or help me, he, he would start hitting her as well. So it was really hard. It was terrifying at times because I was always trying to please my dad in ways and um, I just didn't know what to do or what foot to put wrongly or what I could do. But at school, I would try to make friends and um, it was really hard and I would lie to people at school so that I could build up friendships with them. And uh, during these times, um, it was really hard. Um, I got friends, but uh, I was always lying to them to, to, to make friendships. And things didn't get easier. In Standard 7, or I, I grade 9 in South Africa, um, I started smoking. Um, I really rebelled hard. And um, I was very thin. I was a thin guy. I wasn't very big. And people would usually come and bully me very easily. And while they would come and bully me, you know, you'd get hurt and you'd get beaten up and that wasn't fun at all. So I started making friends with bigger people, with bigger and older friends to try and get protection from them so that they would, this bullying wouldn't uh, take place at school. And uh, these guys would do the wrong things, like they would smoke and drink and do a lot of other things, worldly stuff that wasn't right. And I would um, choose to do these things because I wanted to stay friends with these guys for the protection that I would get at school, that I wouldn't get bullied and anything. And just one incident that I had a guy come up to me one day and he would just hit me in the face for no reason at all. And I was scared. I was always scared. I was, I was, I hated going to school. Um, even on the bus, I remember, uh, going to school in the mornings. I always had this fear in myself being at school because I never knew what was going to happen. So you didn't really have a safe place then. If your home wasn't really a safe place and your school wasn't really a safe place, 
that must have been tearing you up inside. It was. It was really tearing me up inside. And um, the only place that I could actually find comfort was, you know, doing these these things and um, with my friends, or uh, as I would call them, my friends. But then in matric, two evangelists uh, my mom invited came to our house and uh, they started talking to me about the Lord and what he'd done for us and what he did on the cross for us. And uh, I found it fascinating. These guys that committed their lives to telling people about the Lord Jesus was amazing to me. And I started going to the church with one of the guys and started going to to parties and stuff and telling people about the Lord Jesus. And I remember one time that I spoke to a guy and he actually gave his heart. And this was in my, I was, I think, about 18 when this happened. And I clearly felt a calling on my life to work for the Lord. But then with my father drinking so much, he got us into debt with the electrical companies and with the water company. And they cut our water and electricity off. And uh, this was in my matric, my final year at school. And um, I had to study my matric exam under candlelight. And me and my mom actually had to go and walk to go and get water because there was no water at home. And with no electricity, I had to warm the water for me, my mom and my sister uh, on fire. That's something that's quite foreign to us here in Australia. I mean, we just kind of take it for granted that we have water and electricity. No one really has to go and walk to get their water. How far did you have to walk each day to get it? Well, it wasn't that far, but we had to go at night so that people wouldn't see us. Uh, We do have water and electricity out of houses, but because my dad had so much debt and he couldn't pay the bills, the, the, the electrical companies shut down the electricity and the water supply to our house. Mm. And at this stage, he was in a different place for training at the police, with the police. Wow. Okay, so it was just you and your mum stuck at home without water and without electricity. You would have felt pretty low about all of that, particularly having to get the water at night so that no one would see you. Yeah. Well, this feeling came over me at that time that I felt I don't want to serve a God that allows these things over his children's paths that really want to serve him. And out of my own selfishness and out of my own rotten heart, I decided that I'm going to turn my back on God and on the calling. And at this stage, I immediately got um, involved with dealing in drugs and uh, trying to get money and working at a at a restaurant and uh, dealing drugs at clubs at nights um, and meeting a lot of strange people. And one of the strange people I met was a guy that was involved in witchcraft and when I saw him doing these things one day when we went to pick up some stuff from him, I was really amazed or I was really curious about the things that he was doing there. Shal, mm. tell us this story. How did you end up getting more and more into the occult? Well, it's, uh, it's always fascination that pulls you towards it. And um, the power of fear, I believe, or the power to control things out of um, your own mind's view And this was fascinating to me because as I started casting these spells, things were starting to happen. And um, it was really scary. And uh, the more deeper you get into it, uh, the more you are under its control and under its power. Can I just stop you there? Because you said about when you cast spells, then things started to happen. Can you just expand on that? Do you mean that the spells that you were doing were actually working? Yes, they were working. A lot of them were working. I remember that um, a lot of people that would still hurt me or people that I had grudges on, I would place curses on them. And these people would get hurt. 
even my father, I remember one time, he was still drinking and still hurting my mom and myself. And I would place curses on him and he would really get hurt badly. And um, these were things in my mind, um, the spells that were realizing. But also for a lot of different and other things, you know, if you would cast these spells, it would come to be. But... I think this is something important for us to realize about witchcraft is that I think a lot of people tend to laugh at this whole idea of witchcraft and just say, oh, witches yeah. aren't real. We read about it in this storybook and isn't it funny? But the thing is, it is real. It's harnessing, it real. harnessing supernatural power, but that supernatural power doesn't come from God, does it? No, it's from Satan. He is in total control of it and he does have this power and the demons do have these powers to 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 help you uh, well to to but the deeper you go into it the deeper the face of it gets torn off and you see that it is satan who is in control of it and that you need to do more wicked stuff in order to be able to control these things so the more you get into it the harder it is to get out of it yeah the the, the deeper you get into it it's only the grace of god and the lord jesus that will be able to save you out of it and his blood. Mm. Well, tell us more of your story then, because you did get deeper and deeper into this witchcraft, didn't you? Yes. Um, well, I met two guys while I was working in a restaurant, and uh, they were practicing witchcraft on a daily basis. And this is where I started learning more of the occult and um, practicing it more openly. And uh, I wasn't with them very long. Uh, a couple of months, I stayed with them in a garage, and um, I moved back to my parents' house. And I met another guy that also showed me down this dark path. Eventually, I got involved with Kabbalah and uh, the occults in that. And um, I practiced that really a long, long time. And uh, I was about a couple of weeks away after completing a lot of its courses and stuff and um, continuing into those rituals of summoning up demons and you would summon up these demons to do things for you to hurt people to go and you would just summon these demons to hurt people for you and um, to do things for you and um, I was about a couple of weeks away of doing that when I was working at a restaurant and a lady came in there and um, she was shadowing me and her name was Natasha and um, I fell in love with her and my concentration from the occults immediately moved over to her. And I really just was fascinated with this lady. And uh, this was before I knew the Lord. We moved in together and we wanted to buy a house. But she wasn't legal to sign the, 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 the papers to get this house. So we decided to get married. We talked about it on the Friday and got the conversation started from her grandfather. And he said that if she gets married she would be legal to sign for uh, the documents for the, the house or the flat that we wanted to buy at that stage. So the Friday we talked about it, the Saturday everything was organized, and on the Sunday we got married oh, in wow. my grandmother's house. <laughs> yeah. So we were married about four and a half years. We bought the flat eventually. We moved in, and um, I was in the IT at that stage and learned more about IT, and all my concentration just <laughs> moved away from the occults and onto her. So I'm, I'm sure as I look back today that God had a purpose with that as well. And um, I was still doing drugs and drinking a lot. And um, I would get home in the afternoons and just do my own thing. And she would just do her own thing. We would never actually have conversations or just live as a married couple would. And um, in 2007, 
we got married. I can't remember the date specifically, but I think it was 2003 or 2004 we got married. So it was about four and a half years we were married. And in 2007, she came to me and she, she said that um, she would like to have a divorce. She's not happy. And that tore me apart. And uh, we really tried from both our sides and from my side a lot to go and see counselors, to see pastors. And in this time, I was still likely busy with the occult, but not as deep as before I met her. And um, in 2007, in October, I didn't want anything to do with the divorce. We got divorced. She went to the lawyers and to the court and everything was set in. And this just tore me apart. I was everything that I thought I believed in, everything I thought I knew. Everything was just crumbling before me and I couldn't understand why. You're listening to the story. Today, we're hearing Shal Linda from South Africa share his life journey. And at this point in his story, it's looking pretty bleak. But we'll find out how God turns it all around when we return. The story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. This is The Story. We're continuing with Shal Linda chatting with Shelley Scowen via Skype from his home country of South Africa. Before the break, Shal was at his lowest point. His wife had just left him and he couldn't understand why his life was falling apart. Now, let's hear the rest of the story. And I went to see a pastor and he told me that, look, if you give your life to the Lord, things will get better. So I thought the Lord's going to be like a magic wand. And um, if I accept him in my life, things would get better. And it didn't. Yeah. But the same pastor invited me to go to a church camp. And on this weekend of May 2008, the Lord just met with me. And he saved me on that weekend. I saw my sin. I saw how guilty I am in front of him. I saw that I was condemned. And in this weekend, he really just saved me through his Holy Spirit. And on the Sunday, we got chance to testify about what happened. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, I stood up and I said that I'm, that calling that I had when I was in high school just came back to me and everything. And I testified and said that I know I've got a calling on my life and I need to fulfill this. And during that time, the Lord just opened up the right doors and, and, and everything just happened and fell into place. Where I started studying at the seminary. Now, it's a, it's a small Afrikaans church. Um, we're not really that big, but our message is just out of the word and out of the heart of God. It is to get right with God. And it's only through his son, Jesus Christ, that we can get right and through the blood that he shed for us. And that message, I just fell in love with immediately. And um, from then on, I was at seminary, still working with multi-ministries. A lot of things still happen in that time. Why did you choose to do that formal study? Um, well, it was on, a, on an outreaches that we went to um, that one of the guys came to me one weekend or one week and said that he wants me to prepare a message uh, for the next Sunday because we weren't enough people. And that was after a year of... Um, going on outreaches with them a year and a half. And um, at that week that I started opening the Word of God and um, preparing a service and preparing a message, you know, the Lord just spoke to me through that, and I realized there's something here to, to prepare messages and to preach to people about the Word of God and about Him. 
And I guess that's the lovely thing, having the experiences that you've had. You can use that yeah. then in your messages and in your your heart for people to be able to minister to yeah. them. And, of course, the study really comes alongside that and gives you the equipping that you need. It does. It does. It really gives you the equipment to um, preach the Word of God in the correct manner because, you know, you, you do get a wrong manner. And um, this is just to teach us and to show us that they're the right way and to use that and to use that message to um, point people to God again. Because we're living in times where we really need to get right with God, and it's hard. Even in South Africa, you can see that people are turning their backs on God. And I believe that there's that same message that the Lord has given us in His Word that will change lives and bring people back to Him again. Yeah, and your life has been really quite dramatically changed. Yes. spiritually and everything else as well. I mean, you were talking about how you were living in poverty as a child. Things have changed for you now, working in IT and now in ministry as well? Well, ministry isn't really known for having great wages. No, well, I think that is part of the Lord's preparation in our lives because He prepares you on a way and He knows every single one of us and He knows in what road that He wants to take you on. But that is our um, adventure in this life is to find out what his will is for us and to live in that even though it does get hard he is the god of second chances and third chances as we see in jonah but um and i really relate to him because he turned his way back on god and god just had this glorious way of bringing him back and going to that that city and preaching to them um at this stage um last year i got the opportunity to do a lot of websites for multi ministries and um they've given me a contract to continue in that so it doesn't clash with my studies at all i do it in the afternoons and uh, i do get some funds from that where which i pay my studies with but the lord just is amazing in providing uh financially for the studies because not one of our students here actually works full times so we are really here called by god and he just provides in a really fantastic way. And um, our faith faith is tested. But um, at the end of the day, he gets all the glory for it. Charles, can you just compare and contrast, I guess, the change that God has made in your life? Um, I remember when I was still in high school, I would really be an introvert. I would not talk to people. I would really just be on my own way. And um, I was always scared, fearful. And... After the Lord has saved me, you know, that fear is gone. And um, I can openly and really, I love talking to people. And um, especially about the eternity and the things ahead. But um, I also remember that there was like this emptiness inside of me before I got saved. And everything I tried to use to fill that, it just never got filled. Even with money, with the drugs, with going out and partying, uh, you know, there's just nothing in this world that could fill that hole. But after I got saved, it got filled, and um, it's still being filled today. And um, the more that I submit to the Holy Spirit in my life, uh, the more at ease I am with things around me. And I do remember one scripture that I got just after I got saved, and it was out of Isaiah 6 verse 8. And um, the Lord was actually speaking or revealing himself to Isaiah at that stage, and he saw the holiness of God and the corruption of his own heart and the people that he was living with. And when the Lord asked him, whom shall I send and who shall go for us? He said, here I am, Lord, send me. And that was the part that just spoke to me so hard that here I am, Lord, too. I'm willing to work for you. Please send me. And I think that is what the Lord is looking for these days. It's just willing hearts to do something for him and just to submit to his will for us. 
That's a great heart. And even in you sharing that, we can see the way that God has been moving in your heart in recent times as well. Charles, it's been mm-hmm. really encouraging uh, listening to your story. And I guess it gives us hope for people that are in our lives that might be uh, dabbling in the occult as well. Charles, thanks so much for your time this morning. Wow, yet another incredible story of God completely transforming a person's life. This time, Shalinda in South Africa. God's amazing grace knows no geographical boundaries and is changing lives all over the world. And of course, is available to work miraculous changes in all of our lives. If, of course, we put our faith and trust in Him, our Heavenly Father. Well, thanks for joining us for this inspirational story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Um, I got in an altercation with somebody when we were working and that ended me up in, in jail for murder, which was later reduced to manslaughter. Something that happened in the, the spur of the moment just escalated very quick and before I knew what happened, he was deceased and... Yeah, that was the start of a a whole new chapter. Alan Murray found himself in prison in a dire situation. People were out to get him and there were no places to hide. But after a fellow prisoner fervently prayed for him, things began to turn around. We'll hear his story and some of his music next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.